All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And I've titled this message today, We Were Made for This. We Were Made for This. Today, I want to take an opportunity to show you three opportunities that are ours for the taking. Opportunities that we were made for as the body of Christ, that we were designed for, we were made for these opportunities, for this. The first thing I want to let you know is that we were made for a perpetual covenant relationship. You know, earlier today you, you witnessed the laying on of hands, and that's significant. The laying on of hands is not a new custom, it's an ancient tradition. And it's more than just a natural confirmation. The laying on of hands also represents a spiritual impartation. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, or chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, he says, Stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of hands. In other words, there's something significant that happens with the laying on of hands. So we're going to take a look at what all this means. And, but to do that, I want to, set, I want to set some context for you today. And so I want to take you on a little journey back to what I would say is Joshua's journey, Joshua's life, okay? So we go back to the Old Testament as we start talking about perpetual covenant relationship, and we see in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, that Moses selects Joshua to be his assistant. And during that time period, as, as Joshua walks with Moses, he gets a first-hand experience, a bird's-eye view to Moses' relationship with God. The Bible tells us, I believe it's Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, that God talked to Moses face to face, that he, he considered Moses his friend. Then later on, we see that, that through this relationship, Moses develops a passion to lead God's people well. We see that in him. Numbers chapter 27, beginning at verse 18, Moses, the greatest prophet that Israel has ever seen to that point, lays hand on Joshua and he, he confirms him as his successor. He names him as his successor. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, the one that precedes Joshua, we see that scripture tells us in verse 9 of chapter 34, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For, and there are many translations of versions that say because he had laid his hands on him, because Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses, the laying on of hands. In September of 2011, the elders of Change Point Raspberry laid hands on me and commissioned me to this church plant, to be the elder over this church plant and the pastor. And in doing so, I became part of their team. And this gave me the opportunity to, to go behind the scenes and be with them, to rub shoulders with them, to learn from them, and to see and experience firsthand their passion to see God's church be run God's way. I never will forget my first, my first elder retreat. Um, I was somewhat nervous. Uh, 
You know, I, I was going to drive out there, but I didn't know where I was going. It was way back in the woods at, at Gary Brent's cabin. And so I'm riding out there with two guys that I, I mean, one guy I know real well, Scott Mariner, but the other guy I really didn't know real well. And can I just be frank with you? Can I just, just everybody say, just, just be frank, Pastor. Thank you for inviting me to do that. I'm getting ready to go to the woods with a bunch of older white guys that I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, we're back in the deep, deep woods, right? And then to top it all off, we've got to drive over this frozen lake. And you know a brother don't know how to swim, and you know. I'm thinking this is the day that the ice is certainly going to break through. So I get out there, it's Friday evening, all of us are gathered together, and, and these men begin to share their lives in a very authentic way. We went around the room, and, and uh, each one expressed what was going on in their life, and, and, uh, and after a couple of them would do it, then we would stop and we would pray for the needs, for the specific needs. Then we'd go a little further until it got all the way around the room, and it, it, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning before we finished. And I remember thinking, man, these men really love each other. They're really concerned about each other. 7.30 in the morning, next morning, Saturday morning rolls around. We're all gathering out there around the kitchen. DJ is cooking it up. That's Dan Gerald, for those of you who don't know. He's cooking it up, man, and, and uh, we're all gathering around for a hot breakfast and some juice. I believe it was Clark Harp that morning did the devotion and and we, we settled in and just prayed and, and spent some time together again around the word, fellowshipping. Somewhere around 8 or 8.30, we began to conduct kingdom business, church business, God's church business. And it was then that I saw the passion of every one of these strong men begin to rise. All of them passionate about doing God's work, God's way, and making sure that our church is on task to the mission that God has called us to. Passionate men. By noon, I thought they hated each other. I'm telling you the truth, man. I mean, because when you've got strong men that are really passionate after the will of God with strong opinions, and they bring those things to the table, man, I tell you what, it takes a move of God to pull people back into unity. And I saw that happen. I watched God take a group of men who loved each other and were passionate about his work and pull us back together into unity. I can't even express to you the unity that I felt when I left there that day. I got a chance to see God's passion through a group of men who understand how to lead the church and are committed to God's work. I love my brothers for that. I love the experience that, that I've had over the last five years. But as I said earlier, this marks the end of my time as an elder at Change Point. And today the elders laid hands on me, but not just me, but also on a team of men and, and, and prayed over our church a team of, of godly men that sensed the, the call of God on their lives to lead this church family into the mission field that God has called us to. I believe that through the laying on of hands, a mantle of leadership, 
and an opportunity to partake in covenant relationship was passed on to us. And I believe the laying on of hands now signifies for us that we're up, family. It's our time. Let's go to the scripture. We've already covered the fact that Moses has confirmed Joshua as his successor. Now look what takes place in Joshua chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Everybody say dead. dead. He's gone. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them. Watch this now. To the people of Israel, I just want to be clear, God is saying. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness into this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Here's the point. God is saying to Joshua, hey, man, Moses is gone, bruh. It's your turn. You're up. And here's what I want you to understand. That same covenant relationship that you watched Moses experience over 40 plus years of walking with him, that same covenant relationship that you saw him experience firsthand, I promise you can have it too. This territory that I've told you to take belongs to you and it's yours for the taking. Listen to me, Change Point Northeast Anchorage. Listen to me closely. Today, we have been set apart. We've been launched. Today, we move out of our parents' house and we've gone, we've gotten our own place. Remember how I told you how that felt? You get your own place. And here's what I want you to see, because this is important and it very rarely happens. We didn't move out because we had an argument with our parents. We didn't move out because we had a disagreement or there was dissension between us and our parents. We got the blessing of our parents bestowed upon us today. It's the, it's the blessing that God has bestowed upon them and now it's been passed on to us through covenant relationship. But listen, I praise God for our healthy parents. I praise God for our healthy parents, but I want you to know I want my own blessing. I want what's coming to me. And just like what, how Joshua received his own invitation, the covenant blessing today marks our time. God's personal invitation for us to enjoy his covenant blessings ourselves firsthand. And so we can be confident that just as he's been with our parents over at Raspberry, God promises to be with us. That's covenant relationship. We were made to perpetuate covenant relationship, and we were made to be strong and courageous in doing so. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. <laughs> Only be strong and very courageous 
being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, this is God talking to Joshua, right? And I get the picture at that point that Joshua was probably feeling a bit overwhelmed. Because think about it. Up until that point, Joshua was in the second seat. He was the co-pilot. Now he stepped into the, into the pilot's seat, right? See, I know that I'm hard on the Seattle Seahawks. You know, and everyone's second-guessing the call in the Super Bowl. Any Seahawks fans in here? Sorry, Jenny. Sorry, Tim. And everyone's second-guessing the call, right? But listen to me. It's a whole, it's really, really easy to play Monday morning armchair quarterback, isn't it? It's really easy to say what you would do if you were in the seat. But it's another thing to actually sit in the seat. I can imagine that Joshua was second-guessing himself. How difficult must it have been to walk in the shoes of the greatest prophet that had ever lived in the history of Israel to that point? So then I love how God doubles back in verse 7. And this is what he says, the one thing that you need to do, Joshua, to enjoy my blessings and my provision is stay focused, is to stay focused on what I called you to do. To stay focused on what I instructed Moses to tell you to do and do that. See, family, what God has for us is for us. And we never have to second guess it. All we have to do is follow his lead. All we have to do is do what he's called us to do, to lock on to our purpose, to not stray to the left or to the right, but to stay focused on what he's called us to do as a church and never waver, to be diligent in following his word, to be, to be sensitive to his voice and listen to his voice and responding to it, to persevere through trials and tribulations when things don't go our way. And family, the Lord promises us that if we would do that, he would make our way prosperous. And he would prosper us in all that we would do, even when we make mistakes, and we're going to. We're going to make mistakes. You know, no good parent wants to see their children repeat their mistakes, do they? Not a good parent. I know some bad parents out there, they can't wait for their kids to make, repeat their mistakes so they can point the finger. But no good parent wants to see their kids make the same mistake that they made. Now, I talk to my dad regularly. My dad's been pastoring for 40 years, and I've been pastoring now for, I'm going into my fifth year, you know. And I'll talk to my dad, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell him, i say, Dad, you know, I'm going through this problem, and I've been going through it for a little while. And you know what he'll tell me? He said, man, I have been through that. Why didn't you call me earlier? I could have told you how to navigate through that. I could have shown you how to avoid that pitfall because you've been doing it for four years. I've been doing it for 40 years. You don't have to repeat the same mistakes that I made. Family, God, just as God has given us natural parents, 
God has also given us spiritual parents that have set an example for us. And it's important for us to know that we can learn from their mistakes, their past mistakes. We can take advantage of their mistakes. We can, we can, we can, we can inquire about the things that they've done, take advantage of their experiences. We do not have to repeat the same mistakes of our parents. You know why? Because they've made them for us. So we don't have to make them. So listen, we're going to face challenges, but I've got news for you. We have a top-notch commander-in-chief that no matter what we're faced with, he's created us to be a progressive community under his command. Look at what, look what verse 9 says. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Man, I love that. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? Why, Lord? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love that phrase, have I not commanded you. Listen, for those of you who don't know, I spent 20 years, one day, three hours and 15 minutes in the military. Yeah, I had it down to the minute. And I, I, I served with some, some bad commanders, and I served with some good commanders. And I'm going to tell you something. When you have a bad commander that, you know, is kind of like looking out for himself and doesn't really care about you, you start to second guess all of his decisions or hers decisions. When you have a bad commander, the majority of the time you're thinking when they send you out over the hill to take the hill, you guys go out there and take the hill, and I'll be here when you get back. It's a bad commander. We have a, a commander in chief that said, I will be with you in the fray. I'll go with you and be with you in it. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I've given you a mission, and I intend to walk with you to the end of it. Family, God has given us a mission to, to cultivate life in Christ and others, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to see life in Christ for every Alaskan and the world beyond. That's our vision. Jesus promises us in Matthew 28 and 20, says, if you go do that, I'll be with you to the very end, to the end of the world. And then, and then the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, tells us, Jesus says, listen, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because I'm a great commander. And I promise to be with you. He's made that promise to us. I'm going to close with this. We're talking about Joshua. Lance, you can bring your team up. In, Josh, in Numbers chapter 13, we find God commanding Moses to send 12 tribes and, or 12 spies into the children, into the land of Canaan. And these 12 spies are supposed to go into the land, take 40 days to survey it, and come back with the report to, to see whether or not the land was all that God had said that it would be. So the 12 spies go into the land. They survey it. On the 40th day, when, they're time, when it's time for them to leave, they, they pluck a, a cluster of grapes, one cluster of grapes, one cluster of grapes 
from the land of promise. And they, and they put it on a pole between them. They have to carry it between two people. One cluster. They get back and they report to Moses, hey man, the land that you sent us into, it is exactly what God said that it would be, but we got a problem. He said, there are inhabitants in the land. And, and furthermore, the, the descendants of Anak, the giants, they're in the land. So we can't, we, we're not able to go up and take this country. As a matter of fact, we are grasshoppers in their sight. And then further down in the scripture, the Bible tells us that Joshua and Caleb, the only two that came back with a good report, tore their clothes and they said, nonsense. We have a commander in chief that has promised us this country. And we are well able to go up and take this country. We're, we're well able to do that. Scripture tells us because of sin, none of the other children of Israel were able to enter into the promise that God had for them except for Joshua and Caleb. They entered the promised land because when they faced difficult circumstances, they trusted in their commander to lead them. John Wesley once said, you give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and the desire and desire nothing but God and I will shake the world. I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and build the kingdom of God. We were made for this. We were made, we were made to go and take the country. Family, today marks a brand new day in the history of our church. It's a brand new beginning. We have a lot to celebrate. We do. God has been good to us. And we can rejoice in what he's already done, but I tell you, I truly believe that the best days are yet to come. God has made precious promises to us. And he is able to keep them because he is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. So there's work to be done. There's new ground to take. There's new territory to take for the kingdom. So together as a progressive community of Christ followers, together, I want to tell you, we are well able to go up and take the country that God has sent us into because we were made for this. We were made for this. I'm proud of you, my church family, my brothers and sisters. I am proud to be your pastor. And I pray God's blessing and provision on us all as we go forward. In a few moments, we're going to take communion. So we'll sing a song, and as we're singing the song, all of us will go out. And for those of you who are new, we exit, we exit out this door here. We go all the way down to the end, and there's a big open area. We meet there. We take communion together as a family. That will be our first act as a church to come to the table together and take communion. And so Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, he said, let a, let a man, let a woman examine themselves before they take it. And see if there's anything in you that the Lord wants to reveal, that he wants to remove or expose. 
so that before you come to the table, you can submit that to him and go before him and take of his body and his bread with clean hands to your heart. Father, as my friend Les Anderson says, this is the day that you have made. I do rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so thankful for where you've brought us and where you've taken us. I pray that you be magnified and glorified in us as we put our hands to do what you've called us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.